Welcome to Song Facts. I'm your host, Stephanie R. Myers. After 100 episodes, the wonderful Corey has decided to step away from his hosting duties, as he shared in the holiday episode. And we're giving many thanks to him for all his wonderful work, and I'm so grateful to be your new host. When it comes to music, I've had the great honor of interviewing many musical legends over the years. But I always say I come from a place of being a fan first, and I'm such a fan of the legend we're speaking to today. Legendary songwriter Mike Stoller of the songwriting team Lieber and Stoller is speaking with us today. Together with Jerry Lieber, Mike Stoller wrote a breathtaking number of classics for Elvis Presley, The Coasters, The Drifters, Peggy Lee, Laverne Baker, Benny King, and more, including Jailhouse Rock, Hound Dog, Santa Claus is Back in Town, Stand By Me, Love Potion Number 9, Yakety Yak, Kansas City, Poison Ivy, Along Came Jones, Bossa Nova Baby, Is That All There Is, and so much more. Although Jerry passed in 2011, Mike continues the duo's legacy and is still actively working. We had a phone call with Mike, now 90 years old, and we talked about his recently released album entitled Brendan McCreary Sings the Love Songs of Mike Stoller. And we also chatted about everything from fun stories and his time with artists in the studio to what music he's listening to now. And we spoke about his new project, Working on the Musical Beaches. We hope you enjoy this episode. It's an honor to have you here on the Song Facts podcast. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Congratulations on the Brendan McCreary album. It sounds great. I was so interested to learn that it partially came about when you were asked by Ward Roberts, a relative of Cole Porter's, hey, did you and Lieber happen to write anything in the style of Cole Porter? And you said, yes, we did. We wrote that old tune called Romance and that the project developed. Which had never been recorded except for a demo. And um, when I sent it to him, he flipped over. And even... Got a friend of his who happens to be Brendan McCreary um, and a great jazz pianist, John uh, Beasley. And uh, they started working on it and he made a video of it. And uh, after the video was done, uh, Brendan and John Beasley came to my house and said, look, we want to do an album of your songs. And that's how this started. Did you have any stories about creating the album and uh, fun times? I've seen a couple of the videos and they looked amazing. Well, I I just had a marvelous time, you know. I, at first, you know, when I, I thought they wanted to do maybe an album of five songs by Cole Porter and five by Lieber and Stoller. But no, they they wanted to do my songs. And of course, the bulk of them are songs that I wrote with Jerry. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them had never been done. And, uh, or some of them may have been done, but never particularly successfully and uh, you know one of the songs I wrote words and music and one of the songs I wrote with Marilyn and Alan Bergman and 
And one was a song that Gary and I wrote with two other people who we recorded back in God knows when. <laughs> uh, John Cimbello and Ralph Kina. And uh, I don't know, I, I was thrilled with the uh, thing. As a, I was looking down the whole list of songs and I decided that every song in the album is my favorite. <laughs> That's kind of amazing to have every song on the album be your favorite. <laughs> Variety, I read, had said about your career if there was an award to bestow for the most accomplished living pop songwriter, it would be you. That's quite the accolade and very well deserved. And you've. I, re- I never heard that. But yeah. I'm yeah. Happy to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's incredible. You've written for everyone. You've written so many classics. I'm personally a big Elvis fan. It's an honor to be talking to the person who wrote Jailhouse Rock and Hound Dog and Trouble and so much more. I was wondering, are there any songs you wanted to write for Elvis but didn't get the chance to? Well, probably, but there were songs that we always hoped he would do, uh, particularly Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, would have loved for him to have done that, and I did hear years ago through the grapevine that one of the people who was at that time producing him had done a track but he never got to put his voice on it. And uh, let's see. Yeah, I guess that was about it. I mean, I was very happy with Stand By Me as sung by Benny King, who was a co-writer of the song with Jerry and me. Yes. And uh, so I can't, you know, there have been so many covers of it I've never had an Elvis cover, but that's all right, you know. <laughs> yeah. So much great work with Elvis. I'd read, too, that you mentioned, just as far as another artist, that the most fun you ever had in the studio uh, working was with the coasters. Do you have any songs, yeah, uh, stories true. that come to mind? Oh, uh, just, just the fun of it, because... Um, you know, we would do these amusing songs, right? Mm-hmm. And then the coasters would go out on the road and they would choreograph themselves and work out how they were going to uh, perform it, you know, before an audience. And then they'd come back and do it for us. <laughs> and we'd fall down on the floor laughing. And then we'd play them our new song, and they'd fall down on the floor laughing. <laughs> and uh, so it was always great fun. Most of the most of the recordings I played piano on, and we, you know, we rehearsed for usually for a week before we went into the studio to get the voices all on the right harmonies 
Um, and, you know, we had a, a handful. We started recording the coasters actually in Los Angeles, where we, there had been a group called The Robins. And we had on our own little label, Spark Records. And um, we recorded things like Riot in the Cell Block Number 9, uh, Smokey Joe's Cafe. Um, and then uh, we wanted to take them with us to Atlantic when Atlantic offered us the opportunity to be they later told us the first independent record producers in the business. Um, but only two of them came, so we added two other people to the group. And we recorded, I guess, the big first big double-sided hit in L.A. Um, that was Searchin' and Youngblood. Yeah. And then we kind of all moved ourselves to New York. Mm -hmm. And um, then we started using King Curtis on saxophone. Uh, and he became, in a way, a kind of, almost like a member of the group, at least for recording. And uh, oh, we used to have a great time, you know listening to his solos after, you know, he would do kind of bluegrass fiddle on a tenor saxophone. And uh, it's wonderful. That's so neat. Yeah. I was thinking about my personal favorite song of yours, and there's so many, but um, I love Is That All There Is? And ah, it's yeah. so great. Is that all there is Is that all there is If that's all there is My friends Then let's keep dancing Let's break out the booze And have a ball If that's all And I read about Peggy Lee saying, oh, the song was based on my life, but it actually wasn't, um, even though she said it was her life story. was so curious for listeners, if you could tell us a little bit about the real life story of how you wrote it. Well, um, it was inspired by a novel that Jerry had read, uh, Disillusionment, I think was the title, by Thomas Mann. And he played these, he sang or recited these little stories, these vignettes. And I set it to some music. And um, there was a singer who had been on Broadway, an English singer named Georgia Brown, 
Not sweet Georgia Brown, <laughs> but Georgia Brown. And she had been on Broadway in the, in a musical, mm-hmm. and uh, she was going back to London uh, to do a special called Georgia's Back, mm-hmm. in which they opened on a picture of her back. Um, and... Uh, her manager, who was a guy we knew, uh, a fellow named Helly Olson, brought her up to Jerry's house one day where we were working, and she wanted to hear some new songs, and we we played that. And she said, well, it's wonderful. I love the stories, but I got to have something to sing. Mm-hmm. And um, we said, okay, we'll we'll work on it. And um, Jerry said, I'll work on it. And I said, I'll go home and play with the music. And I did. I came back the next day. I said, Jerry, I got the music. uh, And I'd like to come over and play it for you. He said, well, I'm not sure I want to hear it because I wrote the lyrics to a thing that should be sung. Mm. And I don't want to have to change it because I know I got it right. <laughs> anyway, we had this back and forth and I came over and finally he said, all right, play it. And then he said, well, play it again. And he sang his lyric and we didn't have to change a syllable or anything. So that's how the song came to be. However, then when, after it was played for uh, Peggy, I wasn't present at that moment. We had a demo that Jerry and I had made. And she, he played it for her. And she said, that's my life story. How did you know all that? Wow. And, uh, uh, she said, if you give this song to anybody else, you know, I'll break all your pencils. <laughs> and <laughs> at any rate, uh, well, the first performance was in England on her, on uh, Georgia Brown's television special. And it was uh, arranged over there by a wonderful arranger whose name I can't think of at the moment. Um, and uh, unfortunately, they, although they recorded it, it was never available again because they were reusing tape mm. in, in England. It was costly and they were reusing it and then there was a a recording done prior to Peggy's but Peggy's is really the uh, essential version of that song and I must say that in addition uh, Randy Newman Mm -hmm. did the arrangement and the orchestration and he added a great deal 
because the first two verses, he, he changed the music to the spoken voices, and it was marvelous. The last two verses were the music I had originally written, but again, arranged uh, by Randy Newman. So it's a, a wonderful recording, and I love it too. Yeah, it's a great story, Mike. That song has such a legacy, for sure. You're a classically trained pianist and also, from my understanding, a serious blues and jazz fan. I was curious to hear what music or musicians you're listening to these days and anyone that you might recommend to our listeners. Well, I have been working on a show and I haven't been really listening to a lot of music, but I, you know, I tend to listen more to jazz and, um, a lot of Brazilian music. I love mm. Brazilian music. And uh, that's mostly what I listen to at this point because most of the time I'm trying not to listen. I'm <laughs> trying just to, you know, to create for a show that I'm, I'm working on. Can you talk a little bit about that show? Is there anything you could say about that? Yeah, I, I could say this. Uh, the woman I'm writing the show with wrote the original novel, and now she is writing the book for a musical and the lyrics. And her name is uh, Iris Rayner Dart, mm. and she wrote the novel Beaches, which was made a number of years ago into a movie with Bette Midler. Mm -hmm. And um, she maintained, although she had given the rights for a film, she maintained the theatrical rights. And uh, she called me and asked me if I would write the music to her lyrics. And I said, you bet. And uh, I think we're we're close to finishing. Wow. And we're having a wonderful time, of course. I bet. Is that show set for Broadway later this year? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I know there was some interest from a theater. We did a, a reading in New York for an invited audience, and we had standing ovations for that. I but, bet. Uh, we are going to open of all places, in Calgary in oh. a couple of months. Oh, wonderful. And uh, the artistic director of the Calgary Theater uh, had worked with Iris before and had actually worked with me before oh. on a project that, that we did a number of years ago uh, called The People in the Picture. And uh, so he was eager to have us there, and I guess our producers were eager to be there. I bet. And we're looking forward to, to doing that. I look forward to getting the chance to see that. I hope it comes to L.A. So is there a 
particular genre, we're wondering, that you've always been drawn to, but just never uh, written songs within? No, I can't say that. I can't say that, really. No, I'm... I've always loved, of course, started out my love of, of boogie boogie and blues mm-hmm. when I was, you know, an early teenager. Uh, and I, then I loved jazz and, you know, Charlie Parker, Thelonious Monk. Miles Davis, etc., 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 and then I uh, loved the uh, bossa nova and all the Brazilian music. Yeah, love a good bossa nova and love bossa nova, baby, always. <laughs> well, that's not really bossa nova. <laughs> Big fan, though. Well, you've lived quite the life and you've done so much. What are you most proud of, musically or just otherwise? Well, musically, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm proud of uh, the fact that a number of songs that I wrote with Jerry way back, you know, have lasted so long. Um, that makes me very proud. And that people tell me that this song or that song has been meaningful to them. Yeah. It makes me feel very good. And uh, other than that, I'm, you know, my wife was a great jazz musician, mm-hmm. or she hailed. A great jazz pianist and harpist, jazz harp. But she and I um, have uh, donated a lot of time and funds to various projects. And uh, there is a, um, a theater at the Southern Poverty Law Center mm. in uh, Alabama. Montgomery, Alabama, mm-hmm. that is named after us. Oh, wow. The Mike and Corky Hill Stoller Civil Rights Memorial Theater. That's excellent. Uh, I'm very proud of that. That's one of the many things that I'm very proud of. That's an amazing legacy. There are definitely things to be proud of. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about or that you'd like our listeners to know? Um, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Mike. So wonderful to talk to you. Have a great day. Very much. You too. Such an honor to speak with such a legend. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Song Facts. And if you did, tell a friend and share this episode. As always, we're proud to be a member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Check out our brother and sister podcasts on Pantheon, including my other podcast, Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes. Thank you so much for listening to Song Facts. And for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. See you next episode. Peace.
get you some facts Get you some facts right here It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.